0: The passage today has a sentiment that I think is fairly commonly known and expressed in in church environments about a prophet is not welcome in their hometown. And I can't help but think as I just started to think about this text, um, what would it be like for me to go home and to to preach at my home church? Uh, And there's a lot of baggage in that. Um, And I don't think I could speak home. I couldn't speak there. Um, I've shared with many of you, I think, but uh, our our church had a massive moral failure when I was a kid. Um, The pastor had affairs with multiple women in the church. Um, The timing also, not that there's ever a good timing for this, but not ideal when you just build a brand new giant sanctuary um, and suddenly lose half of your congregation, and and how do you pay for this new building that you've just built? Um, but it's not even just the moral failings that would be hard to go home to. Uh, they were a church that was very judgmental, That that there was a fear as why you should go to God, as opposed to, here's what God has to offer, and here's the gift, and here's love, and here's grace, and inspiration. There was... A pretty, uh, pretty strong undercurrent of some judgmental things there, uh, that that rubbed me wrong even as a kid, but even more so now. It would also be logistically hard to go back home uh, because in the last year or so they've had to actually move buildings. So they sold their their building um, to a leadership kind of guru person who wants a giant conference center. Um, so what would it even be to show up? Back there, I, you know, it's just a different place than what it was when I was there. Um, but beyond that, um, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with friends over the last few years where we've talked about the fact that some of the, the people that were our spiritual leaders, our spiritual parents of the faith, have, have, have seemingly let us down Um, the kind of hate that we see come out of their mouth, whether that's spoken or on Facebook walls, um, that that the people we thought we knew weren't exactly who we we thought. And it's a hard thing to not know how to go home. Like, you want to have that spiritual, comfortable place to go home to, but not everyone has that opportunity. Not everyone has that space. Um, and, and I want to talk about the text today and what Jesus has to say about um, how, how do we end up in that kind of position? How, how, how can we identify with people um, that, that maybe sometimes confuse us of how could they ever end up in this position? How could they be, uh, have these views? Um, but it's kind of a really weighty subject for me because I think so many people are struggling with... Um, how did we get to a place of such violence or anger and bigotry and and discrimination? Um, With heavy hearts, as, you know, we just had the Christchurch shooting, um, we face more and more ugly, ugly stories. And so I want to read this story today, thinking into those things, uh, and think about how Jesus has this uprising of people who, who are living by a new Kingdom, the kingdom of God, not the kingdoms of the earth that they were supposed to live under. And how did Jesus' message in that hometown, that liberating message that we're going to read from, how did it get reacted to with so much violence and so much hate? And so uh, context should be pretty easy for us this morning because we read basically the previous story last week. Jesus was in the wilderness. He was being tempted by the devil out there um, about what kind of leadership, about what kind of way about going, about being the king, about being the Messiah. And it says that he goes throughout Galilee and he's preaching and speaking at different places and people are marveling at him and he's getting a following. And that's all like in two kind of short summary verses and then it gets to this scene in which Jesus has the opportunity to go home and speak. And so, it's a Sabbath synagogue service. And he is the reader for the biblical text for the day. So he shows up to read the sermon scripture. Now, he doesn't have the fun technology of books or printouts or whatever. They've got to scroll and you've got to, kind of like if the cassette tape's on VCRs, you've got to rewind and fast forward. You've got to get to the spot in the scroll that you're reading from. And he gets to the spot from Isaiah and... Uh, I'll note, but we don't need to spend time on it. It's actually a couple chapters of Isaiah that have been pushed together. But he reads the prophetic words of Isaiah, saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Rolls up the scroll Walks off, sits down, but everyone's just kind of staring at him. Like, let's say uh, if, if the pulpit assistant was supposed to have done something else, and it's on your bullets, and you're like, "Wait a minute, you're not done yet," and everyone's just kind of looking, and then Jesus gives commentary. Okay, what what are you going to say about this text? And he gives one of the shortest sermons. All he says is, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Uh, which don't forget how like grand that sounds. You know, and you're like, well, that's a weird comment. <laughs> uh, it's been fulfilled, you know, and and your reaction to that would be curious. And the text says that they were amazed at his gracious words. Um, But I think a little bit of what's going on is they're trying to figure out him and what he said. As Jesus is also wrestling with, um, have you ever had a time where you said something to someone and they clearly misunderstood you? And they're happy about it and you're like, oh, uh, how do I break it to you that I'm meaning something very different here? Um, And so they kind of are wrestling with one idea and he's about to flip it on its head. And so I've had those kind of things where, you know, to go home and, and, and to, to say some of the same theological words and it's read in, that, in this framework. You're like, well, I don't know if I want to get into it, but I think of a very different framework for this. Um, and so we're talking past each other. And so as they're wrestling with, well, what does Jesus mean here? they then start asking, like, don't we know his dad? Isn't this Joseph's son? You know, I'm sure that we have people in this room who, who think about, I grew up in this church. They saw me in the nursery. They saw me doing all of these things through youth. Um, and so if I make a recommendation, do they see that person or do they see who I am today? And so they're wrestling with, who is this guy that said that the scripture reading is fulfilled? And Jesus kind of cuts them off as they're murmuring to themselves about what to do with what Jesus said, but they're pretty well on board, but still trying to clarify at this point. And Jesus says to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do here also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown, But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except a widow at Zarephath and Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. And so Jesus, via questions, is accusing his audience. He says, "You want to control God's promises." So you hear these great statements, you know. You hear that uh, that the good news is coming to the poor, and captives are going to be released, and recovery of sight to the blind, and the oppressed are going to go free, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And you want to control that thing. You're going to see what I'm doing in other cities, and you say, "Hey, do that for us," or can you even do that for yourself? And you're going to try to control what God is doing. And those people, you know, Jesus is, is, is very pointed here. Um, you're not alone in that wanting to control things. Let, let me tell you a few Bible stories. Remember when there was that giant famine? People are starving, they're hungry. And God had a prophet. And Elijah was there and he helped provide food but who did he provide for it was that foreign woman not even one of you you know that other time where plenty of people had health problems there was plenty of lepers yet who did Elisha go and heal you mean the commander of the enemy's army Naaman the Syrian why would you heal my enemy what about me? And so you're gonna tell me, do these miracles here that I do elsewhere? And I think we encounter this mentality some ourselves. Um, there's, there's a conflict between our own, whatever that tribalism looks like, um, but on a large scale in our own environment today, there's a nationalism Brewing in which people are more and more saying, we want uh, you know, to separate ourselves out from everybody else. We don't want you, go away, don't come in, and we want to make, make ourselves separate. And so we see our nationalism versus seeing God at work and refugees, um, that people seeking of liberation doesn't matter as much as my own desires for my own group, my own self. Um, there's just so many ways in which people are afraid of the other person and want to just kind of lift up their own group instead of caring about the concerns and the well-being of those outside of our group. And when we do that, we, we risk missing what God is doing in the world. Maybe God is actually liberating the oppressed. Maybe God is actually lifting up the poor, and when you push those people out, you miss what God is doing in the world, and so Jesus is expressing this all-encompassing uprising that this, this, this uprising God is doing in the world isn't bordered off, it's not just happening in Israel, it didn't, it, and it never has only happened in Israel, it also was happening in these other places. And so one of the biggest rival religions in our world becomes our own tribalisms. Our own, whether that's nationalism or whether that's just whatever your special interest group is where you close yourself off to everybody else. Um, Because that is not how God works in the world. And it's not how Jesus worked in the world. And so can we look past our own tribalisms, our own nationalism, to see God at work in other people groups? How about this? Um, Can can I love the mission of God? Can I love it, uh, what God's doing in the world, enough that I won't be jealous if God is doing something for somebody else? You know, can you actually celebrate God is uplifting this other person, even when you're not the one that's getting that uplifting at that moment? So, uh, if we heard news that down the street, one of the many churches you could point to around our corners... Um, and you heard God was doing something great there. People were showing up. People were on fire. People were excited about things. Would you be happy for them? Or would you be a little bit jealous? A little bit, ah, yeah, uh, you know, kind of try to rain on their parade about it because you just want it here and you don't care that other people are getting a great experience. It's just about what I get. You know, if. Uh, Let's say you're a member of one of our Sunday school classes and you heard the other Sunday school class was having this great... Uh, they, were, they were just growing so much and they were enjoying each other's friendships and they were just kind of bursting at the seams. Would you be glad for them? Or would you be a little bit jealous? A little bit sad that it's not happening for you? Do you love the mission of God more than your own love for your preferences, your expectations, your comfort... It's easy to love our own people, our own group, our own ways of doing things, however we draw that little circle and tightly around ourselves. It's easy to love the insider. Can we turn our hearts enough to those outside our circle that we love them so much that we hope God moves in their midst regardless of what we may or may not get to experience? That's a, like a really... Tough challenge. Like, as much as we want to be in that space, it's easy not to do that. Um, So, do we love God's mission in the world enough that that's what's front and center? That we want to be a part of wherever God is moving, whatever God is doing, more so than whatever boundaries we create for ourselves. This story began with Jesus saying that Scripture was being fulfilled in their sight. And a new thing fills the room. When the people heard Jesus' questions, they were filled with rage. A lot of society today is filled with rage. There's a lot of anger, a lot of frustration. And we ourselves are tempted into that space because it's toxic. You encounter it and it starts seeping into your very self. And so the room that's maybe a little bit, that's kind of on board with Jesus, but maybe unsure with what exactly, what to do with it, becomes fairly unanimous in their anger and their rage. So not only are they able to be grateful or excited for those outside, they become angry. And so they get up, they drive him out of town, they lead him to the brow of the hill so that they might hurl him off the cliff. And that's one of the only conflict resolution techniques we know today. When I don't agree with somebody, I'm going to kick them out, shove them to the curb, squelch whatever kind of thought they might have. And so they run him out of town to destroy him. And like the news cycle that we're experiencing in the last few days, sometimes the extremists even escalate to murder. That their anger and their rage for people outside their own group um, becomes externalized. And then we have to face the aftermath of that anger. How do we be a people that loves God's mission, that brings love and, and liberation, so we can stop the cycle of rage and violence and anger and selfish interests? You know, the, the violence of the scene and the violence we hear in the news It's easy to kind of um, say, well, that's not me. But there are subtle ways in which we drive people out. We sabotage their efforts. Whatever they're hoping to do, we undercut it. We ignore somebody. We speak ill of them. There's all sorts of ways in which we drive people out of town. We are all tempted to drive out Jesus, to drive out God's work among us. And once again, we like to think that we are the ones in control, Like we can drive it out. Like you can stop what God is doing in the world. And the text ends with, yet he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. I think this is the greatest judgment you can experience. There's a lot of anger-filled, rage-filled, fire-and-brimstone kind of messages you might hear. But maybe the most sad thing you can hear is that God was doing something in the world and you rejected it and it left. And God's, God's liberating work moved on, went somewhere else, found different soil to plant its roots down. And so, to reject the mission of God to the oppressed, to the poor, to the enslaved, to the other, Is a decision to reject the presence of God. But there's an invitation in this text and to us here that scripture can be fulfilled every day. Bring good news to the poor, that great hope of Isaiah. Our streets, our cities, our families, there's plenty of people experiencing poverty. How can we be a church that brings good news to the poor? Good news to people who are facing so much bad news. Proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. We're not a city, uh, you know, who's isolated from the idea of captivity and prisons. Uh, Not all captivity is is physical in that same way, but what is it to be a church that that proclaims release to captives? Let the oppressed go free. Whatever oppression you're feeling, uh, God is at work in all forms of oppression overthrowing all forms. Let the message be about freedom. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's probably one of the most radical things you can do today. In In years filled with Uh, never-ending natural disasters, and more and more violence and massacres, and more and more financial insecurities and ballooning debt, shrinking church attendance. Pick whatever thing feels like the gloomy, oppressive, terrible thing. What is it to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor in the midst of that? God has grace, God has favor, God is moving. Even in the midst of the ugliest of times, in the ugliest of seasons of our own lives, there is an uprising. God is moving, and it's up to us whether we want to be a part of where God is moving. And we can be a people on that mission with God, celebrating it, rejoicing in it, or we can be a people who turn it away. And so... I hope, I pray, that each of us more and more turns our hearts over every day to be a people uh, on fire and in love with God's mission in the world, more so than whatever um, my own selfish interests or ambitions or hopes are. Uh, and so with that, would you, would you pray with me? Lord, it's easy to dem- dismiss the, the people in this story Respond um, wrongfully to your message, but Lord, I know that if we were the we were physically present in this scene, it would be an easy temptation to disregard it. Say, oh, you know, didn't we know how you how how Jesus' parents grew up? You know, don't don't we know those people? Uh, Lord, we are all tempted to try to control your work to try to limit it just to the people I want to see it at work in and Lord I just ask that you would forgive forgive me forgive any of us here for where we do that you'd forgive us when we isolate ourselves you'd forgive us when we um, want your blessings just to our own group and not to others Lord I just ask that you set our hearts to you and to what you're doing. Give us eyes to see where you're at work in our, in our own lives and in the city. Uh, Lord, just help us to grow even more into uh, members of your kingdom. It's in your name, Jesus, that I pray. Amen.